Good evening, good morning, good afternoon. I hope you're all doing well. And this evening, rather than having a, a topic or giving a talk, I would rather do a questions from Sangha. Sometimes we call this mountains and rivers. It's just a way of uh, responding to your questions. And quite often, this is a this is a better way than uh, uh, as far as getting right into what it is that you are concerned about or what is coming up for you than, than talking on a particular topic that might might take us in a different direction. We can also, we can do a little bit of each. So starting right now, if you have questions, I'd be happy to respond to them. Or if you don't, I'll start talking about something probably. Go down. Um, this is uh, inspired by the Daily Dharma gathering yes. a question there. Can we... <clears throat> Seems like we're really busy, and then when we sit down, it feels good to sit and do nothing. Can yeah. we be using our meditation practice as uh, escapism? Doesn't matter. Uh, anything. Uh, uh, the important thing is schedule it. Sit down, hold still, watch what moves, and if what moves seems to be enjoyable, if you feel like you're getting away from doing the dishes, maybe somebody will do them for you. Is that what you meant? <laughs> I got to meditate. I don't have time to clean house. So if you want to clean house, clean it yourself. That's we sometimes say that. But to address the all kidding aside, no, no, I don't think so. I, I, I would don't be too concerned about escapism or is it right or is it? Uh, I, I say don't do anything else you have to, and even meditation. If you don't have to meditate, don't meditate. Go do something else. But I highly recommend that you meditate if you're having any kind of difficulty with your life with the circularity of our life of going after this losing and winning and all this, uh, the stress and so on that comes up with just being a living being, which the Buddha, the Buddha, Buddha pointed out 2,500 years ago, life is suffering or discontent. So I, I don't think that's a, an issue. Maybe it might be with certain individuals, but if you have a, if you have a teacher, then you could bring it up with your, with your meditation teacher, possibly. I don't see any problem with that. I might, if someone asked me about that, like you're asking, I might, I might say, how much do you meditate? And if you're only meditating 20 minutes a day or 10 minutes every three days or something like that, then you know, maybe you need to do that for a while. But dependent origination is very, very easy and very seductive to be able to look at something and come to evaluations or judgments about anybody else or ourselves or less is better. Watch what moves rather than, than add on to what moves with your uh, your interpretation, your opinion, your idea, your conception, your conviction, your accumulation, your grasping, rejecting. Do nothing with it. Less is better. That's why it's about awareness rather than rather than being right or wrong. Yes, Chazan. Can you hear me? Yes. Uh, yesterday you said yeah. wisdom is confusion. What does it mean for wisdom to be confusion if those aren't the same? Well, they're, they're the same and different. So the way in which they're the same is, is if, if you're looking at confusion, this is what the Buddha did to realize uh, the truth. You have to look at the, the polarity and uh, pretty hard to look at the clarity because the very nature of clarity is clarity about confusion. So 
it's it's separated, but it's not fundamentally separate. It is part of a of a situation we call relative truth, up and down, back and forth, right and wrong, alive and dead, smart and dumb. I mean, you could they're everywhere. The the combinations. And you if you set up one, you'll find its polarity. Anything that's set up will have a polarity to it of some type or another. What is the texture that the label suffering is covering up? Who's asking that? Kind of sounded like Shoto. Paraphrase that question, Shoto. Shoto bowing. Do we need to identify how we're suffering to practice? The the how or the why, uh, wherefore or something may arise and it may fall, but it's just another thing to observe right along with the suffering itself, right along with the difficulty right along with the, the pleasurable things and the painful things, the difficult things, the spinning, the confusion, the uh, whatever we're calling it, anxiety, depression, um, you know, laziness. There's just a name for just about everything that arises and falls away. And there is a seems to be a polarity or opposite to it. It's just about, excuse me, it's about awareness of what is arising and falling away not whether it's a good thing or a bad thing or whether we've got a hold of it or control of it or we can stop it or start it or fluff it up or blame someone for it this way or that way. It is as simple as possible. Keep it very minimalist, very simple. When you sit down and hold still, if your your intention is just to observe, then you're probably going to see the very situation that is uh, is the leading edge of your particular style of frustration or suffering or discontent. Start there. Yes. That question for me comes out of uh, the first noble truth that life is suffering. And I don't necessarily just want to take the Buddha's word for it. Why not? (laughs) You don't want to take the Buddha's word for it? (laughs) Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. Trying to understand what he's calling suffering. So, is there a, a movement or a texture that everyone would call suffering? No, I don't think it's a generalization. It's just a simply put. It's just a matter of nerve endings of of a type or of a kind in every one of the sense fields, including the mind. So, it, it, it may be. Could be any number of things. Generally, the thing that brings one to it as a practitioner is some kind of basic dissatisfaction that that might go might uh, go beyond any kind of identification of it's caused by this or it's caused by that. Just basic frustration or anxiety. Uh, qu- quite often, people are able to not not look into a spiritual path, but uh, just find some way to keep themselves occupied. Sometimes uh, just the nature of being a living being is occupation enough. Being a farmer, being a, a, a someone uh, a, a, that, is, that fishes or someone that does various kinds of things to generate a livelihood or, or sustain one's family might be activity enough there. When you're vowing. When you're... In the Bodhisattva vow, um, do good, don't do harm, be with all things. Yes. What is the active way of being with all things? Um, Just receive. 
whatever shows up receive. That, that's a way of practicing it or talking about it. Receive through any of the sense fields, anything that's showing up, receive, receive, smell, taste, touch, hear, think, just receive. And in that way, one is, is uh, relating to everything in a very, very fundamental way. This doesn't mean you might not reach out and do something, but it needs to come out of a very clear awareness of what is coming and going, whether it's in your own mind stream or whether it's someone voice, someone saying something to you or something happening in your immediate environment. More? When you're buying, what if we're angry or upset or frustrated and we don't feel like receiving? Yeah, and then you'll suffer on some level, maybe not right away. Don't feel, you know, other, in other words, you want to shut down or stop or ignore that or walk away from it or or complain or any of those things. When you're bowing, so, yeah. so in the midst of that, do we have a responsibility to our <clears throat> community that may be present when we're feeling this way? Well, in our on, on this path, if you formally take the receive or ask for or given the vow, the vow is to be with all things. So whatever shows up, don't agree, don't object, don't look away. It's just, just, just receive that, just be with that. Quite often the difficulty there arises as another person or a situation or, or nation of situations, but it also can be, just be um, a migraine headache. When you're bowing. I was just thinking the other day when we were trying to get the rest of the retreat hut ready and it was very frustrating for me. Um, we were in a yeah. what felt like a time bind to me and, and my it was like a dark cloud just enveloped me. Mm. And I didn't want to hear from anybody. And um what was your what's your question about that? I I was so here. During I those know. difficult times, yes, is there a way to to remain open to receiving bowing? That, that particular situation needs to be received as it is, rather than trying to remain open. Actually, see how closed you are. So it's, it's about awareness. It's about receiving what's showing up. The self-centered mind, the ego mind, wants to be an open person. So it keeps looking for ways to open up, be more open. And I'm not saying there aren't teachings out there that will give you various kinds of methodologies to... Uh, perhaps do that. So look at the way you're shut down and closed. This is what the sitting practice of meditation is about. Uh, sit down, hold still, and watch what comes and goes until you eventually see the disturbance that you're actually creating. Now, I was here when this was going on, so as you know, so as was uh, Kozan. Is there anybody else around? Sure. Shoto was here, but Shoto really likes you, so I don't think he would be upset with you at all. <laughs> when you're bowing, so how how does one be genuine in a situation like that when when one is aware <clears throat> of the effect it might have on others? Just do the best you can to receive it. The, the accomplishment, the merchandising mentality is I'm putting so much work in this, so I need to feel this way, or this should go away because I'm trying so hard to, that, that just is circular. So insofar as you can, 
you're training your mind. You, you do sitting meditation, training your mind. So then when you get up off the cushion and you do what we commonly call post meditation or after you've been training your mind, then you then you're aware of how much you're still struggling with things that have not been observed deeply. So that that particular frustration was coming up. That was not no one was demanding anything of you, as I recall. No one was saying you need to get this done. You were saying that to yourself. Is that correct? Yeah, everything was going wrong. It was. <laughs> so what's wrong with that? <laughs> no, but it wasn't so funny. Yeah, but, at the time. but that's some sorrow. And 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 uh, we're not saying that I'm not turning it around and say just accept it. I'm not saying accept it or accept your feelings or your frustration. I'm saying just just don't 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 disagree with it. Don't accept it. Don't reject it. Do, take no position. Uh, just it's uh, very similar to uh, uh, to the metaphor of just bad weather. It's just it's just hailstones. Nothing to take personally particularly but if you're t if you're if you're put upon by this uh, situation that's happening then uh, it's, once it starts it's very it's impossible to, to dislodge yourself from that because the, the momentum has already started so it needs to be seen very uh closely and carefully before it actually gets a what say a foothold before it actually starts up once it starts uh, you're kind of in for it for whatever the duration is. More? Further questions? Go then. On that, on that line, you said once it gets momentum, it's you can't stop it. So how can you bud without being forceful? Uh, this uh, the sitting practice of meditation will help you over time will help you see more radically the way something starts to show up before it actually gets a foothold, before it actually grows legs, before it actually is has a, a kind of movement or moment, momentum to it. How does this it does not mean that, that that means you can stop it. It just means that you'll see it so early that you will watch it grow up, you'll watch it mature, and you'll watch it die, and it will not it will not get a hold of your vocal cords or your musculature or that that part of the mind that gets uh, that gets so upset with everything. Go ahead, please. In the myth of freedom, um, Trumpa says that negativity, that kind of negativity is sharp. How is negativity sharp, Bowing? That doesn't make any sense to you? Would you say negativity is dull? How would you describe neg neg how would you describe negativity? I'm not trying to to uh, I'm just trying to get a, a feeling for how I could respond to that in a way that would be helpful. Negativity is uncomfortable. Negativity is a presence. Okay. So it it could have it could be characterized maybe not with you but with some people as having a a sharpness to it or or a, a uh, uh, an abrasiveness to it, or something that is that is rough emotionally, is uh, is difficult or pointed, or you know, it could be you could use that kind of a of an image. Jen Bailey. Go ahead, Jen. How can I or we differentiate when we're sitting between 
what arises, which is, I've been calling that dependent origination, maybe incorrectly, and what we produce between what arises and what, and production, yeah. that way. And so that's classically talked about as a, a couple of different kinds of karma. One is the one that, that you got coming, just like your the karma that gives you these ears and this particular disposition, this particular sexual orientation, all of that is just coming, not something we particularly chose. And then also our disposition, our tendency to get irritated easily, or our tendency to feel put upon or feel ashamed. And all of those are, are somewhat dependently arisen and then are also made uh, more uh, or sometimes elaborated on or extended more by the, the conditioning that is that happens to us from our parents, from our culture, from the input that comes in from the time we're a little little tiny person, a child. And then, then our reaction to it is uh, something else that we do against it. So that's the, the kind that we generate. And this is why the sitting practice of meditation or mind training is about sit down and hold still and watch what moves. Because what moves, uh, I like to say it this way, you got it coming. It's not that you're to blame for it. It's that causes and conditions brought you into this situation. Your mother and your father got together, simply put, and that's why you're here. If you want to why, but where they come from and where do their parents come from and where do their parents, it just goes on and on and on and on back into beginningless time. The dependent origination is there's no source for anything. Everything is produced by the combinations of this, that, and this, and that, and this, and that. So here we are. We stumble into the teachings of the Buddha, which says that everything is dependently arisen. There's no solid, there's no solid separate entity. Nothing comes from, come from its own side as a, as a being or as an object or as an other being uh, separated from causes and conditions that are un traceable and so what's being said what can we do about this we're at the mercy of our what karma uh train your mind and that means sit down and hold still and watch the try to find the fundamental thing that is happening and the fundamental misunderstanding or the fundamental mistaken identity and that uh, mistaken identity to start with is thinking there is a solid being called me because if there's fear, we think there's someone who's afraid. If there's happiness, there's someone who's happy. And that someone will pursue that happiness or pursue that success. And will be it will be based on the causes and conditions or the particular karma that arose as that person came into this particular uh, realm, human realm. And so this is why it's so important to um, get to know oneself. Sit down and get to know yourself deeply fundamentally so that you can see the way that you you take what arises as your identity and then add to it either criticism blaming shaming or the fluffing up kind i'm doing really good i'm really better than most people i don't know why people can't see the things the way i see them uh i'm so clear about everything i have a really high, i have a higher iq than most of the people i meet and i'm just uh, general generalizing a little bit but people are doing that you may be one of them i may be one of them that are elaborating, elaborating on things and taking what arises as dependent origination and then buying into the uh, dependent origination and functioning out of the same modality uh, that that caused this to cause that to cause that. But fundamentally, nobody's to blame. Praise and blame are extra and are about getting control of who we are and getting control of our world or the appearance of control.
So this is why I say, uh, coming back to uh, the fundamental part of your question, is just watch what moves and what moves in terms of what's coming to you in your mind stream that you're not calling upon. That's that's karma. And that's um, uh, what is it? Pra Parabda karma and Sanchita karma. And I always get them mixed up. And that's why I, that's the only reason Chi Show even comes here is to help me when I screw up things that are Sanskrit. So which which one is the one that you come into this life with, Chisho? Is that Parabda? No, uh, Chisho Bhavang, the second one, the so, one we create is Parabda Karma. Okay. And so, the one we create is Samchita. Samchita. Okay. So, so you're, as you're born, anything that you bring in here, including your, your talents, your ability to sing, your ability to... Uh, to uh, dance or to have a highly uh, um, um, highly honed or uh, strong ability to be able to, to think or be uh, analytical or to memorize things uh, that would be Sanchita karma and then parabda is you see that you don't like that so you push on it you see that you like that so you you crank it up and generate more of it uh, and we do that out of uh, the reason that makes that difficult, uh, it's not that you shouldn't do that, but the thing that makes it difficult is we are doing it on, in the service of an imaginary being who needs to succeed or imaginary being who needs to not look bad. Uh, I shouldn't do that because people won't like what I'm doing or so on. So it, and it goes in so many different directions. So this is why might be other ways of working with it. But the way we're taught here by this ancient uh, technology about the nature of consciousness is to sit down and hold still and take take an attitude, take the awareness that keeps looking for somebody and some identification, some value, and is very materialistic about everything, and take some of that energy and put it to the service of your wisdom mind. See what is true. Take my word for nothing. Don't take anybody, anyone's word. You don't don't take the Buddha's word for it. But you could you could look at it yourself and see is this true? Is life suffering? Is the cause wanting something else or desire? And is it possible for this to cease? If it does cease, what ceases? Does something cease? Find out. And of course, the last one is is the path or uh, Sheila Samadhi and Prajna or discipline, um, meditation and wisdom, simply put. Yes. We have a question from Naisho in Traverse City. Naisho. <clears throat> she asks, you have said practice like your hair is on fire. How does that sense of urgency relate to patience? Thank you. That is patience. That's how it relates to it. How am I going to make that make sense? <laughs> Reflect on it. Look at your look at what you think the word patience means, and look at what it looks like someone is endeavoring to say to you. Practice like your hair is on fire. It's just saying it's basically saying death comes without warning. Now that we know that, you can slow way down. You can slow down and you can observe what comes and goes, and notice your fundamental, intimate relationship with anything that is moving, including your own thought mind stream. The speediness will uh, slow down once you see that your hair is on fire. All, all this is saying, it's not saying, oh my gosh, my hair is on fire. I need to 
I need to meditate. It's not saying that. It's 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 talking about the very nature of uh, of uh, our perception of how much time we have. We don't have much. Yes. There are a few questions on YouTube. Okay, let me have them. Scott asks, why do you suggest to keep your eyes open while meditating? Uh, because this is what we do when we live. We we live with our eyes open just so it, it's not about getting into another state of mind or getting into a more calm state of mind. People want to do that. They should go ahead. You don't need my permission. Do whatever you want. But if you have your eyes open, this is how we live. Uh, when we close our eyes, what, what's that for? Sleeping. So if you close your eyes, if you soon, as soon as you close your eyes, all the other senses, including thinking, which you're receiving thoughts instead of receiving sights, instead of and and the uh, and sound and smell, and taste and touch, all of those uh, resonate with that shut, shutting down, and they all do something very similar. Do I have proof? I don't need proof. But as soon as you as soon as you shut down on anything, you might as well just stuff your ears with cotton. Uh, I know somebody in Minnesota that's got a, a sensory deprivation tank. You can just live the rest of your life in that. And I'm not being sarcastic. I'm just being sarcastic. So I'm just saying, don't don't shut the world out in order to create another little heaven realm that's where everything is really soft and secure and and really cool and everything has nice soft music. You know, if you want to find out who you are, then this is a path of awakening. And awakening means open your eyes. Sit down, hold still, and but don't look at something that is entertaining. Look at something where there's not much happening, like a theater screen with no, no movie. It's called a wall. Sit down and do some wall gazing. And by doing that, then that which is shut down in the mind in order to uh, ignore or not feel bad or uh, do away with suffering or difficulty, that starts to show up. And then the very thing that you need to see will show up. And that's how you train your mind. Uh, simply put. So that's why. And that being said, I would say, if you want to close your eyes, go ahead. But that's more about an entertainment quality. I know that the, the Theravadans don't agree with me. And I know that uh, 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 SN Goenka, he doesn't agree with me. He trained people uh, in prisons in India to close their eyes. I'm not saying that won't help you for a bit. It won't fundamentally help you. It'll give you a surface feeling. Of, oh my gosh, finally I've slowed down. I'm relaxed. I feel so much better. It's not about feeling better. You could say, well, what is it about then? <laughs> Go ahead. A uh, question from Jackie. Jackie. Uh, how do you receive without internalizing? Don't worry about internalizing. It, it's. It, about, uh, don't worry about down, hold still, and watch the movement. And start with a bell, end with a bell. And during that time, watch anything that moves, including your own body. And I'm not saying uh, that you shouldn't, you should move around. Don't deliberately move, but hold as still as you can. And then notice your knee hurts and move your knee if you need to. Notice that your, your back is a little sore. So shift a little bit and then return to some kind of stillness. But do it softly. Don't do it with some kind of macho control like you have to accomplish something. We're not talking about ancient practices where, or, where men ran everything and tried to treat everybody with some kind of militancy. That's just a misunderstanding based on people who want to control other people. 
and people who want to control themselves. This is not, not about control. It is about awareness. We might have to do a little bit of control, but let's do as little as possible. Let's let's create a form that gives us a little bit of a reference point so we can sit down, we can ring a bell, hold still, and watch the movement and get to know ourselves really well, intimately. There's further questions in the uh, on the, in the live chat if, if somebody wants to read them. I can't see them. I just see they're there, but I can't read them. Uh, question from Christopher. Yes. I know I have the power to change the culture, show the light. I don't know if my ripple is true. Um, what? Is that a question? There's a question mark. I'll read it again. Okay. Oh, there is a question mark. I know okay. I have the power to change the culture. Yeah. I know I have the power to change the culture, show the light. I don't know if my ripple is true. Well, I can I can help you there. You're full of shit. How's that? That direct enough? Think about what I'm saying. You 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 ask me this question. At least I think there's a question mark on it. You don't have to accept what I'm saying. Online. There was a question from Anna. Uh, sometimes when I work through the quote, no blame, no responsibility, end quote, concept, it feels like an easy way out of necessary growth. Is the idea of personal growth a function of the ego? She has yep. a few more questions, but that's the first that, one. That's, yes, I would say so. It's not that there wouldn't be some growth happening that you could refer to as growth. But the whole idea of trying to have personal growth is circular. She goes on and says, does the understanding that I should have or could have acted differently or better in a situation, just a sense of regret that shouldn't be investigated? I struggle with this no responsibility component. Bowing. Well, you're responsible. You're just not to blame. You're responsible. So you need to respond to whatever's happening, but there's no blame there. You're, we're not saying that you're you're at, at fault for something or do you get credit for something particularly. Responsibility is about the ability to respond. It is not about praise and blame. More, more uh, a question about that, if you have it. So Christopher says, well, I... I Christopher says, I don't believe this will help me. I appreciate your work. Okay. <laughs> it took that very well. I'm surprised. And namaste to you also, Christopher, if he's even still here. She is on by. I had a question about recurring thoughts in, uh, in meditation. Sometimes like recurring negativity in meditation seems to become entrenched after I'm done meditating. And I'm just wondering about um, working with with the recurrence of, of negative thought patterns, Bowen. So I'm not sure what the question is. I, I'm following what you're describing, but there's... she is on bowing. I guess a part of it would be: is there is it necessary to interrupt 
you know, if I sit for two hours and I think about the same thing for two hours, is it, do I need to interrupt that bowing? Not necessarily. If you, when you, if you asked me the question, I would say no. But if you were doing that and you somehow interrupted it and then asked me uh, about that later, I wouldn't necessarily say that was wrong. Or that you shouldn't have done. Does it matter if those, if that recurring um, thought is influencing, you know, not as this is happening, but if I was having thoughts about Senshu, about how terrible she is for like two hours, mm-hmm. and then I get up off the cushion. Wait, 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 what did you say? Told myself wait, over. wait, what did you say? <laughs> I, I feel like I might have missed something because both of the women here are laughing and I'm not. So I think there might, I might have missed something. Could you say again what you just said? I was trying to use an example that wasn't the case. Okay. Just if I'm sitting in meditation and for two hours, I'm thinking about somebody who frustrates me. Okay. And then I get up off the cushion and they've done nothing, but that energy somehow built up during meditation. Yes. I'm wondering about, I'm just I'm just okay. having trouble not letting that energy then seep into the actuality of my interactions or commandeering okay. my interactions. Um, I, I think you're doing exactly what you need to do. And the process that is showing up as something that you seem to be asking a question about, uh, it just that's just part of the that's just the way the consciousness will work. Uh, being aware that you're trying to shut something down, but can't quite find the off button. But that doesn't necessarily mean go the other direction and try to supercharge it and make it come out faster or get rid of it or do anything with it. It's always, and you've heard me say this hundreds of times, it's always about awareness, never about what's arising in the awareness. But what's arising in the awareness, we get very selective and partial to one thing and not we want this, but we don't want that. We want a good feeling, but we don't, we don't want a frustrating feeling or something like that. More? No, I feel like I'm not perhaps entirely clear about what's happening okay. in the in my practice. I just notice it's coming okay. up more and more, and it's it's becoming more difficult to separate those stories from the actuality of what's happening. That's still awareness. It's awareness that it's it's awareness that's seeing that. Awareness sees that. There's no there's no solid uh, there's no solid uh, uh, failure behind that. It's awareness. You're describing what is uh, functioning in the mind stream. If you're doing something else beyond that, adding to that, or have some kind of expectation that that should go away, then that's more phenomena that is added. And that's the, that's the, what uh, we were talking about earlier. That's the Prabhupada karma. The Sanchita karma is what is arising spontaneously. And the, and the added karma, the don't add, don't subtract, don't divide, don't do nothing with it. Then we tend to go on top of that because that's uncomfortable. We want to push on it. We want to. We want to perhaps blame or, or try to manipulate or control it or change its temperature. Do something with it to modify it a little bit, or find out where it came from so that we can stop it. Further further elaboration or question on that, if you have it.
Excuse me, I'm not yet. Thank you. So I would say further, we all, we all have something, might not describe it just like you have, uh, Chazan, but we all have something like that where something arises and then we, we interact with it in such a way that it, it just becomes problematic. It just looks like it's there's some kind of chronic aspect to it. And the thing that perpetuates the, the chronic or the repetitive quality of it is the, is the resistance to it or, the, or some kind of endorsement or some kind of, of pushing against it or shutting down tends to create, tends to uh, support that. Just, just the way dependent origination works. Do anything with it and you've, joined, you've just joined the mafia. Do anything with it. You've just joined into that very negativity by pushing, joined into that very negativity by pulling or by justifying or explaining or, and so on. Or shutting down or distracting yourself into something else using uh, anything from actual chemicals to uh, some kind of activity that keeps you from thinking about that situation. Does all apparent negativity sourced from ourselves bowing if this situation if i'm thinking about that and like i i think somebody else is being frustrating or doing something wrong or acting inappropriately is that negativity still arising out of my own confusion bowing how does it look to you i mean i know you're asking me the question but how does it look to you When I see myself creating these stories, it just brings a lot of doubt into my ability to actually see what's happening outside of myself. Sounds so good. sometimes, yeah. yes, I wonder how much of that wouldn't be a problem if I weren't having a problem with it. It does seem to be some kind of adding on going on, the way, the way it sounds, especially since you're kind of saying, I wonder if that sounds like there's something happening there that you may be doing something that's causing that to flip over and repeat itself, repeat itself. Further questions that are in the live chat that I, I can't read, but I see them there. Bhavani asks, what is meant by empty mind? You know, it depends on who's saying that. Uh, there's That's sometimes said in the teachings, different places, especially in Zen but other places also. Uh, I just think it's just a very, very low level of, of uh, thought patterns. There's just enough that are, they're just dependently arisen. So they may, may show up and may not, but it's, the, it's the, the lack of anything particular going on there. It may, it, it's not shut down. It's not like empty with all the doors closed. It's not that kind of emptiness. It might be more empty with all, with, without any windows or doors even attached anymore a complete openness where anything is welcome to come through, but it can't find anyone. It can't find a witness for what is showing up. The witness is worn out, not tired, but the, the witnessing, the singularity of a witness is not there. It's not that there isn't witnessing, but the witnessing is taking place in the very thing that is being witnessed because it is not separate. Don't believe a word I say. Uh, it's not going to help you to believe what I'm saying. It's probably going to help you to consider what I'm saying. But what you do with that is uh, that's your uh, parabda karma. <laughs> so, but I don't want you to necessarily believe that. It's not going to be helpful. Jinchi Bowing, a question from Daniel Statler. 
Yes, Daniel. How and when did you start? How and when did you start practicing Shikantaza? 1974 with uh, Katagiri Roshi. Uh, formally, Daniel. Then I uh, met, and I began doing what he told me to do, and I did what he practiced the way in which he told me, and the way in which I was trained to teach meditation. I practiced. Uh, Shamatha Vipassana, Shini and Laktong, or Mindfulness Awareness Practice. And then uh, slowly went back towards uh, Shikantaza, uh, kind of imperceptibly. I just just stopped uh, doing those uh, particular kinds of practices. One of them was uh, in Shine, or uh, Mindfulness Practice. Uh, calm abiding was uh, to follow the breath. And I think the Vidyadar said, follow the out breath. People have changed that back and forth. I think his holiness, the 17th actually has his students count their out breath and count their in breath. One, one, two, two, three, three. So he, he wants to really tighten it, tighten things up. And I would say, if you're a student of his, then probably should do what he says. It just seems like a more to start with, at least the way it looks here, to start with a more fundamental, not much, just sit down, hold, hold still that which you can hold still rather than try to con- set up, create some kind of a meditator. I, I think uh, it's from my experience that I haven't done a lot of that, but so I know about it. I think that's uh, not so helpful. It's better to uh, not try to create a meditator that can meditate. Rather, it's it seems to be more important to just see what the hell this is because it's different for each person. The karma arising as as you, Dan, Daniel, or as me, or as, as Joyce, or Chisho, or Sato, or anyone here, anyone anywhere, is, is going to show up differently. And so less is better. I might have someone start, not that you've asked this particular question, but just this, a little bit of an elaboration on Shikantaza. It seems to be better if I meet somebody, if they start right in doing Shikantaza, I may have them do some um, mindfulness awareness practice because of what they're dealing with. But I do it situationally rather than just lay the same thing on everybody. And I think the Vidyadara, uh, if I'd got a chance to talk to him, which I did not other than uh, a little bit, but I would, I would have even suggested uh, perhaps uh, that you might want to see who you're teaching before you immediately tell everybody to learn in the same way. A little bit different. Not correct. It's not the right way. It's just the way it shows up here. He also asks how you met Colvin. Uh, well, I knew about him uh, way back when uh, my uh, my old friend from the Art Institute of Chicago uh, met him at seminary in 1974, or not seminary, but uh, the first uh, session of Naropa, he met him in there and he told me about him. So I hadn't met him yet. I was quite uh, fascinated with the Vidyata at that time. And I, and I quite often wondered why I didn't hear more about him, but I didn't. And then, uh, then he, about three years after the Vidyata passed uh, in 1990, uh, uh, Shoho Michael, who's uh, at uh, Jokoji in, in, uh, in Santa Cruz, brought him to my house very unexpected, just drove in. And at that time, he had already, my son, Mason, had already met him and was had become a student of his a few uh, few months before then, I think it was. 
so I met him. He came to my house and he we hung out there for a while in April of 1990. She is unbowing. Anna has another question. Anna bowing. I definitely feel that I am shadow boxing daily altercations and insults that do not actually exist. Do I just allow these made up battles to tire themselves out? It feels and unproductive, but also something I'm commonly fixated on. What? Paraphrase that. The question. No, I, the want, question I is, want you to paraphrase what she <laughs> I don't want her to do it. I want you to do it. She said, ha, ha, ha. <laughs> Thanks, Anna. <laughs> oh, my. Which Anna am I talking to here? Anna Maria? From Traverse City. Oh, Anna. Oh, um, I don't see. Is Anna on there somewhere? She's on her friend's um, account under Amanda right now, but oh. it's Anna. Okay, Anna, hit me with that again. It says, I definitely feel that I'm shadow boxing daily with altercations and insults that do not actually exist. Hmm. Do I just allow these made up battles to tire themselves out? Uh, I would say Anna that. Bowing. Um, hey, Anna. Hi. Hi. I, I think what I'm trying to, I'm building off of one of the previous questions that was asked. With when when mm -hmm. I am sitting, I often find myself just so fixated on some sort of interpersonal yeah. interaction that might have never even happened yet. You know, it's like sure. some function of a paranoia. How, that's what I'm referring to. Okay, and so I would say, uh, as, as insofar as I understand what you're saying, and I've talked to you a little bit in the past, so I have a little bit of idea of uh, what your particular style is, and I would say. As long as you're doing sitting meditation, as long as you're get get your get yourself to the wall once a day and try to do some block sitting where you're sitting for several hours at a time. I recommend four hours, maybe once a week, so that so that some of that that uh, production of paranoia, some of that production, so you get a more uh, a more um, um, I don't know of anything else other than a, than a clearer uh, look at how that shows up. Because you you need to get to the root of that. You need to get to where that actually starts to smolder before it turns into a flame. And I don't think that's going to happen unless you or anyone, but this in, in this specific situation would be you need to get in there where you actually have several hours, uh, not only the daily practice of an hour or so or maybe more, but a uh, time where you sit down and do kind of a mini, you could call it a mini retreat, four hours, solid sitting. If you can stay there the whole time, don't move. But if you need to get up and go to the kitchen, go do that and then watch that movement. If you need to go for a walk, watch that movement. But try to get back there as much as you can and uh, hold still and, and watch what continues to move when you hold still. And that way, eventually, you will begin to, begin to see the way in which you're, you're probably touching a match to that situation rather than it's coming from... Uh, than somebody else or some other thing. Something seems like something's being triggered. How's that looking to you? Thank you. Um, 
well, you know, yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> um, I definitely feel that I, I feel like I have to stop that thought process because it just feels so indulgent for them. Don't stop. It, it just feels unproductive. It just feels incredibly unproductive. But the, the, the idea of productive, unproductive is ego language. Right. Don't agree too quickly. I might have just lied to you. Don't agree too quickly. <laughs> so, well, my previous question was whether this idea of personal growth through some of these exercises is just a function of the ego. And so, it, and I suppose this is the base of my struggle with this uh, no blame, no credit component is recognizing that something is almost certainly a function of the ego and then just saying, maybe I shouldn't do this anymore. And that's where my confusion and struggle lies. Okay. So I'm not very good. So I'm not saying that you, you know, couldn't control something and do it. So we be reasonable about it. But the the main thing I feel that you could be doing or should be doing, if you want, if I use that word is hold still and watch the movement of the mind. So you're going to the radical part of the consciousness where this actually starts to show up at the radical part of it, rather than the surface area where things are already in full motion and because in that area, we can't really control. And if we do control something in that area, it's still within the, the area of something is totally produced as a, a relative uh, uh, contraption, a, a relative structure. And so go to the root of it. Go to We need to go down to where the seeds are happening at. And, uh, and there's, no, uh, uh, there's no guarantee that even, even doing that is going to produce some kind of a, a success story around um the the particular issue that you're uh, having difficulty with we've got to start somewhere so let's let's start there go there sit down hold still and watch what moves for uh periods of time sitting practice of meditation shikantaza just precisely this just precisely this you can do it i'll help you the sangha will help you studying will help you if you have a mind to do this yeah certainly you're welcome Kevin Bowing. That's Kevin. When we experience the writing of another person or look at, say, a painting of an, of an artist, are we interacting with that person's consciousness? <laughs> you're, act, you're interacting with your own consciousness. Because you always, we don't see other. We just see the projection. We just project onto other. It's not saying that that otherness or that apparent other self uh, isn't a participant there also. But the most important aspect of that is to see that you're projecting onto what you see. If I understand your question, I'm not taking away that there isn't some interaction with the other person. But the most important aspect of it, as far as awareness practice is concerned, is to see one's own projections. That you're you're looking at your idea of the world rather than the way the world looks, other, rather than the way the world actually is. Kevin Bowing, yes, that that makes sense. I I think maybe I'm getting like a little romantic about it, but thinking about consciousness always finding its own form. Yes. Can that does that consciousness necessarily show up in a sentient? 
being or can it also be in so-called in it yes anywhere it can be anywhere it's uh it's more it's recognizable as a human form or the various aspects of a, a given individual human sight smell taste touch hearing and but also yes a piece of wood a stone out in the laying out in your lawn consciousness consciousness it just doesn't have a recognizable kind of frequency that causes it to, for us to uh, think it, it's not like the rock is alive, but it's also not particularly dead either. It's just operating in a different frequency. I'll take one further question if there is one there. If not, we can also just close. So you're, you're asking about some kind of location, and uh, I would say there, there isn't any specific location necessarily. I can, I can tell you to uh, move your awareness to the dark side of the moon, and you could go there. You might not have the kind of evidence that you, uh, that you feel like would be some kind of proof, but you can, you can go anywhere. L location is a, is a complete imputation of the, of the ego mind, the self-centered mind which protects itself by staying separate from everything because to be available to everything is way too vulnerable. So there, there, there's no uh, location is always, what uh, uh, to reverse the whole saying is always political instead of all politics are location. Is that the way it goes? <laughs> there's always some kind of a motive behind positioning or going here or going there. There isn't anywhere that you are, anywhere that you're not, other than the, the, the phenomena that arise in the mind stream and give us some kind of a what reference point for this or for that. Does it, um, does it function in one of the seven consciousness? Well, well yeah. Yeah, relatively it does in sense of sound, and there there is a hearing, and then there's smelling, but there's no person, there's no personhood there. It's that's the illusion. That's part of the difficulty as we try to protect something that that is completely not threatened and is unreal from the point of view of any kind of relative uh, threat. It's not that your body can't be threatened by a you know a polar bear coming after you that's hungry. Of course, again, but that's that's your body. But who you actually are is uh, is not limited to just that body experience of the six sense fields and their objects. It's it's it it participates in that as long as there's a living form, then there's going to be a participation there. But the fundamental identity is uh, is is without personhood. There's no one. And you or I or any of any of us, according to the Buddha, can can see that it's not a it's not particular particularly a transaction. It's just it's uh, it's wisdom. It's just seeing what it is. You see what it is, and if you keep looking at the at the the craziness, the insanity, the confusion, long enough, uh, it's called seeing the jewel in the rubbish heap. Eventually, by looking at this and not adding on, no judgment, no explanation. 
no shutting down, you see that what you're looking at is not not separate from anything and anything anywhere. And that realization doesn't mean everything goes away. It just means it's it's no no longer has any uh, propaganda happening. Well, I'm happy I was ad, able to add to your confusion further this evening. And um, you're welcome. <laughs> so we will dedicate the merit. If the, those of you in the monastery want to lead that, we can all follow along. Thank you. 